Good morning and welcome to Chanel. We are glad that you're here with us. Um, it's good to see you. Hopefully we can hold off the rain for just a little while. Um, this morning we are continuing our stories. Uh, sorry, I was surprised to see Jude in here. Um, we are continuing our uh, sermon series on vacation. He just loves it. Can't get enough of it. Um, biggest fan, I guess. So, uh, vacation Bible stories for grown-ups. And this week we're going to be in uh, the book of First Samuel, chapter 17. If you want to go ahead and turn there, that'll be what will be the majority this morning. Now, I love the story of David and Goliath for, for several reasons, but one of the reasons why I really like it is because the story of David and Goliath kind of transcends church culture, where it, it's become a popular term to talk about uh, an underdog beating a, an unlikely rival, somebody that is seen as superior. It's not just witnessed in, in culture, but it's also in, in movies as well. One of the most popular, I think, examples of this would be Hoosiers, an unlikely group of guys who defeat and come together and win. It's a great story, unfortunately, set in Indiana, but um, it's just unfortunate. But it's, it's a story that when we think about David and Goliath, it, it quickly comes to mind. Uh, another underdog story that transcends is Rudy. Uh, one of the greatest sports movies that has ever been created of a smaller guy whose dream is to play for his beloved Notre Dame Irish. And he finally, I don't want to spoil the movie if you haven't seen it yet, uh, it works out for Rudy. Uh, it's a, what a sad movie, right? It's like Rudy didn't make the team. Um, but it works out. But this also shows up when we talk about like our beloved sports programs. I, I, don't think, I can't think of any example with Kentucky recently uh, that, okay, that one is a pretty good example. Um, when there's a two seed getting beat by a 15 seed, I don't want to, I think, okay, there's more pictures for some reason. Um, I, th I think that's, okay, there's one more. Um, mm. So uh, sometimes David and Goliath stories hurt our feelings. Um, but you understand where I'm going with this, right? Like, we, we understand these underdog stories. We understand the, the little guy beating the giant. And how captivating those stories are in, in both culture and in our lives and in movies. Like, that's why we gravitate to those things. Which is why our attention in the story of David and Goliath is also kind of captivated. Because we love these kind of stories. So let's dig into it this morning. It starts in verses 1 in chapter 17. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soka in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephesdemen between Soka and Azekiah. Saul and the Israelites assembled camp and camped in the valley of Allah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. Now this location, this valley of Allah that we see in verses 1 through 3 is strategic because the Philistines are a sea people. They, they commonly reside along <clears throat> the coast, whereas the Israelites are hill people. They're going to be on the other side of this valley. And so for the Philistines, what they are wanting to do is take control of the valley of Allah to give them access to where the Israelites are, which is why, strategically, the Israelites are like, we're good. No, thank you. Please do not pass go. Do not come past this point because, again, if the Philistines are able to, they now have access to what is the Israelites. And so it continues with a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. We'll do a fun little thing that you can take home and share with your friends. But a cubit is basically measured by the bottom of your elbow all the way to the top 
of your middle finger. Generally, this is presumed to be about a foot and a half is kind of what we're looking at. So if we apply this Israelite math there, this Bible measurements, they are suggesting that Goliath is around nine feet tall, a massive, larger-than-life character. Now, I'm not disagreeing with this, but I think this might be a little bit of like what, what I would identify as preacher numbers, right? Um, where if someone says, how many people go to Chanel? Under a thousand. Under a thousand. It's none of their business. If you're watching online, under a thousand. My point is that is it might be a little bit of that, because when we see it in the Greek manuscripts, uh, Goliath decreases just a little bit. But in the context of this story, they are suggesting that Goliath is over nine feet tall, a massive individual. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale of armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. We are seeing this individual who is massive. And not only just massive, but he has all of this military equipment to kind of show his dominance and his power. And so it says that Goliath stood and shouted at the ranks of the Israelites. Why do you come out and line up for battle? Remember, they... They want to do a military-style battle, but that's not what Goliath wants. Goliath is looking for what's called hand-to-hand combat, 1v1. He doesn't want to fight a bunch of different people. He wants one soldier to come out from the Israelites and just fight him. He says, am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. So Goliath sets the tone and sets the parameters of what this battle is supposed to look like. Again, a hand-to-hand battle, one person versus Goliath. Now, often when these hand combat battles happened, the individuals fighting would be kind of of the same stature. It is believed that likely the tallest individual in the Israelite camp was Saul. We were told that Saul is a large individual, not to the size of Goliath, but he was large. And so when Goliath says this, I kind of hope you see the the humor in the story now, it's likely that the Israelites looked around and said, who's the tallest guy that we've got? And it's Saul. And guess who doesn't want to fight Goliath? Saul. Saul is willing to find anyone besides him to go fight Goliath. Kind of just showing you where this story is developing. And so we have this scene here of Goliath being presented as this larger-than-life figure. He's huge. He's a giant. And the scene turns to Jesse's house. In verse 13, it, it quickly turns our attention to another scene far away. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to war. The first was Elab, the second Abadad, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Now there's a, a thing happening here that the English does us a little bit of an injustice. Because the, the Hebrew translation in 14 is not that David was the youngest, but that David was the smallest. And so you're already seeing this theme develop between the giant of Goliath, and the small individual of David, already showcased in this story. 
And in verse 16, for 40 days, the Philistine came forward as being Goliath every morning and every evening and took his stand. Every day he came out and recited the same thing. The Israelites are weak. If anyone would come and fight me, that's how we're going to settle this dispute. We're not going to do a military battle. We're going to do hand combat, one versus one, Goliath versus the best individual that the Israelites have. Now, behind the scenes, God is working through David. Because David is being sent basically every so often to go give his brothers kind of refreshments. I assume juice boxes, Lunchables, stuff like that. But he's going back and forth. I know it, it's cheese. But he's going back and forth to the camp to give his brothers kind of reinforcements from the dad, but also to tell his dad what's going on. Remember, there, there aren't news. There's not the internet. They're relying on word of mouth to tell the people how this battle's going. And so one day, David is there. He's gone to bring what his dad has given his sons, his other sons. And, and David hears this. In verse 23, as he was talking with his brothers, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. You can feel the, the tone of this story changing, where David is, is no longer just this random background story, but now David is, is kind of, to use the, the language of this text, like he's towards the front of the lines now, where it's personal to David. He can't just sit there and listen to what this giant is saying over and over again. It says, whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled with fear. And so David does what none of us would ever do. David goes directly to Saul, and he's like, how are we doing this? How are we allowing this Philistine, he uses other insults too, but he, how are we allowing this Philistine to come before us, insult us, insult our God every single day? Someone should go. I, and David says, I will go. And in verse 33, Saul replied, You are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David persists. He's like, I look around and I see all of these people who are afraid of this giant. But I'm not afraid of Goliath. I will go to battle for Goli against Goliath. And Saul, still thinking in the ways of the world, Saul says, if you're going to go to battle, if you're going to fight Goliath, you've got to wear the proper equipment to fight somebody. So Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. Now, it's easy to take the humor out of this story. Because we're, we're kind of talking about these, these classic Old Testament stories. But this, if you were a Hebrew reader listening to this, you would have laughed at this story, especially at this verse. Because what they're trying to present is kind of what we see in the hit Tom Hanks movie, Big. A kid who's walking around in clothes that don't fit. This is supposed to present humor. Like, we're supposed to laugh at the idea of David walking around in Saul's clothes, in Saul's armor. It's, it's like when you think about your kids when they were little and they tried to wear your shoes. How silly it looked for them to walk around the house. That's what this is. We, we can move on from that picture because I'll, I'll start talking about the movie Big and how it's a great movie. But David says this. He says, I cannot go in these because I am not used to them. 
It's a, a big, big message about recognizing who you are, like what you bring to the table, what God has equipped you with. David is, is giving us a whole sermon right there in this verse. But a lot of times we try to put ourselves in other people's shoes and say, I'm not good enough because I don't look like that, or I don't have that, or I don't have those skills. David is saying, man, I, God has prepared me and equipped me. I don't need a bunch of other stuff. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, and put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag. And with a sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, in verse 41, the Philistine, with his shield bear in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome. Love these details. Why does it matter that he's handsome? It's just like a, a fun little, hey, David was handsome. Um, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. Now, I'm sure that a lot of us have been a part of VBSs before. We leave a lot of the dialogue out of the story, right? We're like, yeah, cute little David. He's got his sling. He's got his stones. We don't talk a lot about, I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. This is very vulgar. It's very dark. And we kind of like to remove those elements of the story. But it's here that we have to talk about realizing that sometimes our giants are not as big as we really think that they are. Now, he's in here. I'm going to talk about you. You chose to be in here, Judah. So this past summer, our family, this summer, we went, we go every summer actually, we go to a place called Santa Claus, Indiana. It is a real place that people choose to live in. And in Santa Claus, Indiana, they have really leaned into Santa Claus. There's a, a Santa Claus campground. There are Santa Claus gas stations. You're getting the theme. Love Santa there. At Santa Claus, Indiana, they've also built a theme park, park called Holiday World. Holiday World is a theme park centered around holidays. Um, now, if, you, if you've been to Holiday World, I would, it's great. They have free Pepsi, I believe. Um, but at Holiday World, they have a like, Thanksgiving land. They have a Fourth of July land. Um, obviously, Christmas land. Halloween town. You're getting the gist of it. At the Fourth of July land, they've got a ride called the Liberty Launch. Now, for most of young Judah's life, he has been terrified of the Liberty Launch. He's also never been able to ride it because of the height requirement until this year. Now, this is pre-ride. Pre Again, you chose being here, Judah. This is the pre-ride. Now, that hand is not a stranger. That is Whitney's hand. Um, I chose, obviously, recognizing that this was a, a life-building moment for Judah. I was going to record it. Um, and so Judah gets on the Liberty Launch. But before he got on it, he was so afraid. Uh, he made comments like, it's going to shoot me to the moon, and it's, what's going to happen? Like, he was legitimately afraid. Now, I'm making light of a, a, a fun family memory, for some of us, uh, a fun family memory, to say that, like, we do that too. There are situations and circumstances and even relationships that before we even enter them, we think there is no way that we can conquer them. That we are already defeated before we even enter into something. 
Think of the language that the Israelites used, that when they saw Goliath, they feared him. They didn't see him do anything, but they knew that he was taller than them, that he might have been stronger than them. There was no way that they could ever defeat this man who every day would come out and challenge them. And so this year, Judah walks up to that high thing and he recognizes that he can ride the Liberty Launch. And so I've recorded that in a 17-second clip. And let's see if you can identify any of the screams. That's the extent of the ride. Uh, No one, to my knowledge, flew to the moon that day. But I can imagine that if you were afraid of getting on that, that's not great. I think we have an ending picture, too. Uh, Look how much he enjoyed it. Uh, He really enjoyed that ride. Um, But but I use that Liberty Launch example as a means to say that sometimes we think that we are defeated on the front end. But that's not how David views this situation. That's not how David views this fight with Goliath. David in verse 45 says, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Again, likely omitted from VVS's. Next, next passage. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord, and He will give you all, He will give all of you into our hands. Now it's easy to look at this story and be like, man, David comes back at Goliath, he verbally destroys him. But I would argue that David sees elements of Goliath that everyone else misses. That David doesn't see Goliath as a giant that he cannot defeat. He doesn't see Goliath as a larger-than-life individual who will destroy and rip apart the Israelites. Rather, David recognizes Goliath as a giant that is not as big as he really is. And I think it's evidence in some of the details that we see in this text. So for just a moment, we're going to go back a few verses to verse 41. It says, meanwhile, the Philistine, this Goliath, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. Now, prior to this verse, we have just been told how big Goliath is, how strong Goliath is, the weight of the armor that Goliath is carrying with every single step. It doesn't even appear to phase him. And we've already also been told that what Goliath wants to do is hand-to-hand combat, one versus one. And so we have to ask ourselves, why is there another individual in this? Why does Goliath need a shield bearer? I would argue, like others have, that the reason why Goliath needs a shield bearer is because he can't see. He can't see. And so he has to have somebody that is walking in front of him because he's nearsighted. He can't see long distances. The shield bearer provides Goliath with the means to go forward 
without giving up any of his military advantage. It only works if you explain it that way. Otherwise, the idea of one-to-one combat is ruined because it's no longer 1v1, and now it's 1v2 with the shield bearer being present. Goliath can't see. But there are other questions about Goliath's vision that come to light. Verse 43, he said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Now, if you were to look at the whole text there, David grabs a staff. But in in the next response we have here in verse 43, Goliath says, go back, uh, Goliath says that you come at me with sticks. So we have a problem here. Either there is an error in Scripture, where we've gone from singular to plural, or Goliath actually sees what he believes to to be two sticks. To go along with this vision element, it's likely that Goliath had double vision. And this was because of a, a medical, a common medical, not a common, a, a, a more recent medical diagnosis today that's called giantism. Individuals like Andre the Giant, who suffer from giantism, often also have vision problems. They're both nearsighted, they also have double vision at times. And here in this text, in verse 43, it is likely the case that Goliath cannot see long distances, but he also has double vision. Otherwise, there's either an error in Scripture to go from singular to plural, because we know that David has just grabbed one staff. He doesn't grab two. He grabs one. But again, Goliath sees two because of this. But also, in verse 44, he says, Come here, and I will give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. Often we focus on, on the text, on the, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. And we look at, like, look at the power and the dominance of Goliath. And we often ignore the come here. Goliath wants David to come closer because he cannot see him. He knows that the advantage that he has is hand-to-hand combat with someone who is afraid of him who's somebody that is already coming to the battle defeated. That is how Goliath wins. That is how our giants defeat us. When we start these battles already at a disadvantage. But David does not see it that way. David sees Goliath as somebody that he can conquer, that God will deliver him from. And so the text continues in verse 48. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. And the rest is history. The Israelites conquered the Philistines and David goes down in history as a hero. He goes down as the ultimate underdog that defeats a giant. And whereas I believe that there are absolutely interpretations of this story, we can look at it as a a small underdog defeating somebody larger than him. I think we'd be remiss. We'd be missing another teachable moment of God in these vacation Bible stories if we did not recognize that maybe the story of David and Goliath is teaching us that our giants are not as big as we really think that they are. The things that we are afraid of, the things that we are avoiding, the things that we think will defeat us, 
If we trust in God, even the biggest giants in our lives, God will deliver us from. So this week, my encouragement is this. Trust in God and recognize that the giants in your life may not be as big as you think that they are. Let's stand and sing.